dreaming of indignant, dreaming about a premiership cup. We love our clubs, but they never win. Two flags in 100 years. That shit house, if you think we'll be insightful, clever or just well researched. We're here to say that's not the case, we'll just go out and wing it. We are two guys, one cup. It is Wednesday, April 29. Welcome to Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL podcast. My name is Will Anderson. And my name is Charlie Clawson, and we are now deep into a year without football. How are you holding up, Will? I'm fine. It's really cleared up my schedule. Me too. I just realised how much time I was dedicated. Like, I mean, everyone's like, oh, I've got so much more time in isolation to watch things. I'm like, I've got more time in my schedule because footy's not on than I've gained from any benefit of... Like, because realistically for my schedule, other than being out at night doing an hour or two of stand-up comedy... I'm consuming about the same amount of media. In fact, my media consumption in podcasts and stuff is down because normally I will listen to them while I'm going from one place to another place. And I'm not doing that at the moment. So I'm consuming heaps less podcasts, which is probably, why are we even doing this podcast? People probably aren't listening to podcasts at the moment. Well, we're touch and go is whether or not we're even going to do this because the connection, I mean, you've just gone through three weeks of no internet and then finally we got your internet up. And then I just got a text two days ago saying that there's an outage in my area. And so... This show is running off my phone right now, so we could abandon this at any point, which I don't think is such a bad thing, because like you, I've been consuming uh, less podcasts. I've tried to dip into the football podcast, but I feel like it's that, you know that scene in The Simpsons where Lisa calls the Corey hotline, and just to kind of keep her on the line, he starts reading things that rhyme with Corey? That's what the football podcasts are like at the moment, just bringing in old foot. It's like a never-ending sportsman's night, just bringing someone on to tell like some rusted old anecdote from from their, their their time playing it's like i don't really need to hear this i don't miss footy enough that i need to be doing that i'm i'm actually literally like oh well this is great this is like 12 hours a week that i suddenly have to do something else at the moment and i have the perfect excuse because the footy's not on like it's not like i'm deciding to step away from football football is not there so i'm not going to then just artificially fill that hole in my schedule with more old football that i wouldn't have listened to if it was a normal football season, no, I'm, I'm loving it. I don't want it to be over quite yet. <laughs> I feel like it's it's almost like an unexpected breakup where at first you're like, fuck, like, how can I live without this person? What am I going to do? I don't even know myself. And then you start to sort of discover things like, oh, you know what? Sunday afternoon, I can just watch whatever I want to watch. I don't have to like hang out with this person. And then you start sort of discovering new things that you're interested in. The one drawback I would say is I have less things to talk about in my WhatsApp groups. It's, they've gone quiet. <laughs> like I realize, you realize how much of your regular small chat relied on football. A hundred percent. Like Gemma used to always say to me when she would hear you and I talk, or me and any of my other sort of guy friends, and she's like, "What would guys talk about if they didn't have football?" And I was like, "Oh no, no, it's just a an icebreaker." But I think she was really hit on something there. It's, it's pr- primarily the basis of most of my friendships is talking about football. <laughs> Um, I am, it's much like the comedy festival to me, football season. It's one of those things that if it's on, I just need to be involved in it. But the fact that it's not on, there is just a part of me that is so relieved. Mm. I'm just feeling so relaxed that I don't have to care about football every week. I'm feeling relaxed that I don't have to care about my job every week. Like maybe, maybe all the things that I was doing, Charlie, weren't making me happy. Maybe 2016 was it for me in football. I'd been through this, you know, it was a great final episode. (laughs) They nailed the landing, you know? I don't need to see the sequels and the prequels and the made-for-Netflix movies. I'm I'm fine with the story that I I dedicated 35 years of my life pretty seriously to following this TV show. Mm. It, It had its, like, finale in 2016. I don't need to watch the reboot. Yeah, I mean, it's really about chasing the dragon for you now, isn't it? Like, you had the ultimate high. And now you're just like chasing that second that second taste. And it's like, well, maybe you don't need it. Maybe you've just plateaued. Right. Maybe I can move on. Maybe I can get into something else. Well, that's all well and good for you. But I'm still jonesing, man. I'm out there jonesing for that sweet, sweet high. <laughs> yeah. I'll be your mate who's got clean. Yeah. <laughs> Reform my life. Just happier all the time. More balance. Not waiting for the weekend. Living a high or low on how a bunch of people you can't control perform on the weekend and letting that dictate all your emotions for the rest of the week. It's a ridiculous concept when you think about it. 
So have you been dipping into AFL news or anything like that? I was kind of hoping you had, because I have not really read anything. I haven't gone to the AFL website. I've heard, like tangentially, I've heard about what they might do to get the season up and running and when they might be getting it back on. But can you give me any info? Can you fill me in? Just give me the, the, the cliff notes of what, what they're talking about. The AFL have pitched the hub. Right. right, so it is actually a version of what we were joking about a couple of weeks ago, which is just take all the players to an island. But big the idea house. would be that you would have separate hubs in different states because the big problems are going to be crossing the borders. So you might be able to operate. So you have to put all these people into a sort of you know zones situation. You put a bunch of teams into that zone. You hope to play. The other day, I heard speculated that they might try to play seven games in five weeks. Might be the idea of it, but. What got pitched to the players from the AFL was, would you be willing to go into a hub for 20 weeks? Because apparently to get from where we are now to the grand final, there's a possibility that you could be quarantined in the hub for 20 weeks. Yeah, right. And what was the AFL players' response? Uh, boo! <laughs> <laughs> boo! <laughs> I mean, mixed, I think, yeah. would be fair to say because it's not just the players of course the players have expressed that idea of going well we're human beings and you know that's not what really we signed up for i've just you know adam trelaw's just had a baby for example yeah why would he want to go and spend you know four months you know away from his kid like i listen to him uh, on mate, as someone who's just had a kid uh, <laughs> i would love to go and spend 20 weeks uh, you fucking kidding me get a full night's sleep i'll do it for sure you'll be like Gemma, they've made the hub compulsory for AFL podcasts as well. (laughs) Will and I have to go and live in the hub. And to rules, babe, I don't make them. It's me, you, uh, Rosie and Chambo, all living in a house in the hub. And we're the AFL comedy podcasts. Well, look, I'm willing to do anything if it means um, we don't have to see any more AFL coach TikToks. What is going on there? And they're getting worse too. I think the first one or two were kind of cute. And you're like, oh, that's good. And then I didn't realize, as I don't really know much about TikTok, but it's a meme, right? One person does it and then it can, continues on. And so now we're just getting more and more of these AFL coach TikToks. And I've got to say, as a diehard Saints supporter, Brett Rattens, I mean, I would rather he just didn't do one. I saw it and I was like, mate, you didn't really... If you're going to be telling your players to put in 100% effort every time and then you don't even do it in your TikTok, it's really, really hard to take you seriously. Oh, are you saying that he didn't put in in the TikTok? Not that he yeah. looked ridiculous, but he didn't try hard enough. Both. He didn't give 110% <laughs> in his TikTok. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I felt like... Because uh, his TikTok is him, his wife and his kids. And it's like the kids and the wife were definitely giving it a bit more. He seemed... He kicked it off, but he seemed reluctant. He seemed a little embarrassed by the whole thing. And I was like, I don't know, mate. You either commit 100%. It's going to be very hard to tell Jade Gresham to put his head over the ball when you wouldn't even execute your TikTok properly. I mean, can you imagine? That's one up the players' sleeves, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. When he's giving them that dressing down about the fact that they're not trying hard enough, they're not putting in, everybody else is putting in, and then suddenly he just grabs his phone and goes, well, look at your TikTok, coach. How am I meant to perform when you didn't perform? Now, the only bit of AFL media I've been consuming... Uh, we Sorry, just on we... the TikTok, because yeah. I haven't seen any of the coach TikToks. Oh, okay. So, who's the best of the TikTokers? Uh, I think Simon Goodwin has done the, my favourite so far. Nathan Buckley's was the most surprising, because it's like... I mean, if, if Nathan Buckley was going to do any kind of dance, you'd expect it to be like the robot or something, right? Like something quite efficient. <laughs> But it's been quite goofy. I mean, this is, I guess, this is the, I keep thinking of Bucks of five years ago, but this is the new cuddly version of Bucks, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Meditation and, you know, uh, TikToks and... TikToks. I mean, I'm surprised there's been so many top five lists flying around in isolation, people's top five albums, top five movies. The one person we should be hearing from hasn't put up one top five list. It's insane. Do you think that his top five lists are still part of his personality? Because that strikes me as being old Nathan Buckley, almost the yeah. top five lists. Whereas too now regi- he's more, more open to the opportunity that like, you know, you don't have to define everything in a top five. You don't have to rank everything. Yeah, maybe. I'm, I, it's, I guess it, there is a kind of level of competitiveness to ranking, isn't it? Like if you are going to be right. shifting your mindset from that competitive 
point of view, it would be, well, you know what? They're all part of the same genre. No, it's all subjective. None, none is objectively better than the other. So I'm going to do away the top five list. Do you think he could sell that to the players when it comes to... Yeah, because the old Nathan Buckley, it would have been really... The old Nathan Buckley, he would have done top five lists, but he would have considered it a top one and then the top four losers. <laughs> That's what his top five yeah. list would have been. The top four songs that should have tried a bit harder, in could my opinion. sell that to the club for the Copeland Trophy? It's like, well, we don't have a top 10 finish anymore. It's just like, you know, 10 players in no particular order, the 10 best players mm. at Collingwood. I mean, that would be great. And we just give him more medals, man. That's all. You made the top 10. Brady Grundy would be pissed off, right? <laughs> I mean, he's, <laughs> he's in the pocket to get like three or four in a row. Yeah, it'd be great if he would release these lists. That's what I would like to see. Like, if he found his notebook full of his lists. Because I imagine there were hundreds of lists. Like, just Nathan Buckley's top five on everything. I would like to know. Uh, we've had a bit of mail in the time we've had off Will, which is good. Because okay. there's not a lot of football to talk about. Now... I told you off air, I haven't vetted many of these, so uh, we may have to like uh, abort if we get halfway through and it turns out to be like some horrible rant, but this one seems okay. It's from Damo. He starts off, hey, Sil and Wally, I'm high. And I wanted to take this opportunity of staring down the barrel of no football for potentially quite some time to suggest a new segment for the podcast. Okay, great. Each, each week, well, bad start because whatever we do is not going to be weekly at this stage, but each week... One of you would research a player, past or present, past season, or interesting story of a whole team and do a dollop-style report on them. I feel like this would be a good way for new fans of the game to learn about its colourful history, as well as giving you guys a chance to learn about a Sydney Swans player or two. I don't think you will have any copyright issues from the dollop, as Dave is too busy getting into Twitter fights with Vincent D'Onofrio, and Gary is too busy making films with his cat to listen to this podcast. Anyways... I hope you guys are doing well. Thanks for keeping the laughs coming during a very difficult time. Cheers, Damo. A giant supporter with PTSD from the 2019 Grand Final. Thanks, Damo. Can I uh, offer an improvement on this idea? Because the only thing that is wrong about this idea is the fact that we would have to do some work. And I that, that, I, don't, that I don't want to have to do. Like this, you know, I, I've already said <laughs> I've been enjoying the fact that we're not having to do work for this podcast. I don't want to add work to this podcast. However... If you are a supporter of your club and you think we've missed a dynamic mm. duo or a player with a good story, much like the Fremantle, Brennan Cox and uh, his, his best mate, who was the other guy that uh, he loved. But I can't remember that people guy. that Blondie. we might not know about. Yeah, the, guy, the other guy who dresses like him and looks like him. The, the single white female yeah. relationship at the Fremantle <laughs> football team. But if there is a player at your club that you think is an untold story and maybe you've got a link to you know, a commercial they've been in or some interesting thing from their past and you want to send it through and we could do like a player Perfect. of the week deep dive highlight, then I am absolutely up for that. But I think it yeah. should come from supporters of the club who think there's a player with a good story and then you can send us a few links and a bit of a, a head start. Yeah, and send it to two guys, one cup AFL at gmail.com. That's the number two, the number one, two guys, one cup AFL at gmail.com. Uh, that actually dovetails nicely into this next letter from Josh. Uh, he says, this is doing the rounds of Facebook and I thought it could, uh, could kill an episode's worth of time. Name your favorite player from each club. This is my list. It's equal parts Silk, Target Forward and Muglair. So we'll go through his list from uh, alphabetically and then we'll name our own favorite players. Just off the, the top of part. our heads. Yeah. Yes. Oh, well, we can talk about it, I suppose. Okay. Well, all right. I'll reveal his last. So the first one is Adelaide. Favorite player... In the history of Adelaide. Oh, in the history of the club. I'm assuming so. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Any, yeah. From any time period. It's not current players. Like when you think of this club, who's the player that comes to mind? Either a favourite or the most notable personality, I guess. As he says, as someone who is a silk, a forward or a mug lair. Yeah. Okay. Well, Wayne Carey, obviously. Okay. Adelaide. Great Adelaide champion, Wayne Carey. He's... <laughs> For me, his most glorious years on the field. Um, no, Andrew McLeod. It's got to be Andrew McLeod, if you think about it. has to be Adelaide. Andrew McLeod. Yeah, or Darren Jarman. I mean, as a Saints supporter, seeing what he did to us in 97, he's kind of burnt into my retina. But I think well, that's... as muddled. a Bulldog supporter, for the same reasons, absolutely. But I'm gonna, that's why I'm going to say Andrew McLeod. Fuck you, Darren Jarman. All right, Brisbane. What did he say, Andrew McLeod? Yeah, he said Andrew McLeod. Brisbane, greatest player ever in the history of the Brisbane Lions. Does it take into account Fitzroy as well? 
it's not the greatest player. It's just the player that you identify most with that club. Who comes to mind when I say Brisbane? Jonathan uh, Brown, right? Jonathan Brown or Michael Voss? Yeah. I feel like Michael Voss, because of the coaching, diluted maybe his impact with that club. I think I was... Brad, Brad Hardy and Warwick Kemper. <laughs> Johnny Gaster and David Fev Bain. Is <laughs> Brendan Favola, the greatest Brisbane Lions player of all time. Uh, who was the guy? Mark Zanotti. He was my favourite Brisbane player. Do you remember wild man Mark Zanotti? I do remember Mark Zanotti. It's just one of the great all-time AFL names, Zanotti. Um, uh, yeah, I'm going to say, if you're just saying, yeah, Voss. I think Voss just in, in front of Jonathan Brown. I mean, that that prem, that premiership team, premiership, multiple premiership team of the early 2000s, you could throw a blanket over about a half a dozen players. He's put Jason Ackermanis down, which I think, you know, Muglair, that sort of ticks off the Muglair thing. If Acker hadn't gone to the Bulldogs, I'd say definitely. He's the... He's the Mark Jack. He's the Mark Jacko Jackson combined with, I don't know. Uh, he's Mark Jacko Jackson combined with, I don't know, Doug Hawkins. He is. That is unfair to Doug Hawkins for a start. But that is. <laughs> um, I think yes. I, look, if if we were just talking their playing careers, but I think Acker's behaviour post playing career has um, tarnished his legacy a little. Uh, all right, um, Carlton. Who comes to mind in the history of Carlton? Uh, Kernahan? Yeah, Stephen Sticks. Kernahan. Has to be Sticks. If you grew up when we did, when they were a dominant force, and he was like, I don't know if you feel the same way, but to me, he was like the Darth Vader. He was this tall, imposing, he had the similar helmet kind of hair. Yeah, exactly. His hair was based on Darth Vader's helmet. That's why he actually <laughs> went, he went to the hairdresser with a picture of Darth Vader and said, make it like that. I, but I hated him because St Kilda was shit in the 80s and Carlton were dominant. And every time we went to Princess Park, we'd get absolutely thumped and he'd always end up kicking like half a, half a dozen goals. So I think that would be that would be the player I'd think of. And then they, they were so irrelevant from 2000 on, Carlton. It's sort of hard. I guess you'd put Fev or, or Juddy, but I always think of Juddy more as a West Coast player. Kudafidis. Yeah, Kudafidis. I don't know. Have you seen that um, Suvlaki Hut ad? <laughs> Stephen Silvani. Oh, yeah, of course. Sauce. How could you go past Sauce? Jack Silvani. <laughs> <laughs> well, Josh has put a very odd suggestion in. Lance Whitnell. Oh, okay. Yeah, all right. Okay. Wasn't he kind of a, wasn't he kind of a, a, a whipping boy, Lance Shitnell? <laughs> I mean, he was, yes, more a whipped cream boy. No, that's unfair. That's fat shaming. <laughs> he was not fat. He, um, he, was, he was hefty. He was a big boy. For an AFL player. Yeah. Not for a normal person. <laughs> I think it has to be Sticks. I mean, I, would, I don't know what their team of the century is, but I reckon Sticks would have been captain in that team, right? Uh, Collingwood. Well, they've got a lot of legendary players, like from back in the day, Carlton. So, mm. you know, Jezzelinko yeah. and all those. Like, Arms. No, um, not oh, Jezzelinko. No. Yeah, Jezza. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he played for the Saints as well, but mainly yeah. for Carlton. <laughs> yeah, mainly for Carlton. Uh, the Pies. Uh, most iconic oh, no it doesn't have to be most iconic it's just for me who do you identify with Collingwood yeah Dacos for me Dacos as a kid Dacos made the biggest impression that was the first time I remember seeing the dribble kick he was a magician he was a small forward who somehow managed to rank alongside the big power forwards of the time Lockett and Ablett and stuff um, I always think of Dakes I think he sort of sums up that kind of Collingwood spirit too you know just just arrogant and good and just a bit of a shit heel. Yeah, I know what you mean. I think that's a pretty good choice, Dakes. Like, but it's for me, it's got to be Bucks, just because he was yeah. the dominant player for the majority of time I was watching football, and now being their coach for so long that I just think there's no one more Collingwood than Nathan Buckley. What about Craig Starcevich? <laughs> no, Brad Rowe. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Tarrant. <laughs> uh, S. Oh, uh, by the way, Josh agrees with you. He put Bucks down as well. Okay, the Bombers. Hmm. James Hurd. I mean, yeah, it's hard to go past Hurdy, isn't it? I mean, well, <laughs> I, I'm sure many Bombers fans would like to go past James Hurd, but I can't really think of... I always, Darren Buick used to stick out in my mind when I was a kid. There's something about him being a redhead and he was kind of had that explosive pace. He always caught my eye as a kid, but... James Hurd was just such a, 
just such an iconic figure at that club, such a good player and such a natural leader, and he was all over the media, Brownlee medalist. Has to be Hurdy. Yeah, I think so. I mean, when I was growing up, you know, you got. I mean, they had such a lot of star iconic players, didn't they? Like um, Vanderhaar. Yeah, Vanderhaar. Um, you know, Madden. Madden. Like just some real. I mean, Danaher. Tim Watson, Joe Watson, oh, yeah. the Watson family. Do you get a family the, pass? Because the, the combined family. together, the Watsons <laughs> might be up there with Hurdy. Um, uh, okay. Uh, Nat Fife. Oh, <laughs> sorry, Fremantle. <laughs> I put the cart before the horse. I put the, I put the cart before the horse, but you know, I mean, it really says everything, doesn't it? You say Freo, you say you think Nat Fife. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah no that's that's right I mean, <laughs> pav it would be it would be pav right pav prior to that but nat fife is just such a i mean he's a, he's everything he's such an iconic player now he uh flies helicopters he's involved in fashion two brown lows never seems to wear a shirt has to be nat fife but prior to that probably sean mcmanus yeah, Sean McManus, iconic and an iconic Perth radio star now. Personality, classic personality, Sean McManus. Uh, the inaugural captain, Peter Mann. <laughs> no. Uh, what about, what about Aaron um, Sanderlands? Aaron Sanderlands been a pretty iconic Fremantle player. Two eleven, two eleven, the the tree. What about yeah. Hayden Hayden Ballantyne? Oh yeah. Well, I mean iconic, and you need one in every team. Okay, uh, Geelong. Interesting what Josh has gone for. I mean, Geelong, there's only one player that He's comes gone for right? Peter Riccardi, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gavin Axel. <laughs> Robert Scott. Neville Bruns. Um, um, no, has he gone for a modern day player? Someone who's still playing? Yes. yes. Asava Radadaglia. <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, Charlie Gardner. No, oh, yeah. he's... Uh, Gary he's Ablett for, Jr. Jr., yeah. Whereas I would have thought Gary Ablett Sr. sort of sums up Geelong more to me. It's yeah, weird, I agree. though, isn't it? I mean, Jr.'s a better player. That's unquestionable I also now. agree. But it's just something about, in terms of just being a rock star, one-of-a-kind player, it's got to be Gary Ablett Sr. Mm. Okay. <laughs> this is going to be tough. Gold Coast. The most iconic... Go- Carmichael Hunt. Let me rephrase it. Na- na- name a Gold Coast player. Two meter Peter. Um, the most. Okay, so it's just a Gold Coast player that you. Yeah, it's iconic yeah. that you think of when you think of the Gold Coast. I mean. Jager O'Meara. I think it would be two meter Peter. He's the only person that when I watch a Gold Coast game, I'm like, oh yeah, I know that guy, two meter Peter. I mean, I don't really know what Swallow looks like. I don't really know what um, uh, Weller looks like. I don't really know. I couldn't pick him out. I could pick two-meter Peter out of a lineup. Maybe Jared Witts, I think. Is he blonde, Jared Witts? Or he's got sandy-colored hair. Anyway, it's two-meter Peter. Yeah, I would say Swallow. I would say Gary Ablett. I think you give the Geelong one. (laughs) You give Geelong Gary Ablett Sr. And you give Gold Coast Gary Ablett Jr. That's what I would say. I still think that Gary Ablett Jr. is the Gold Coast's most iconic player. Josh has picked Harley Bennell. <laughs> Interesting. I think that's more of a uh, uh, that's more of the the Mugler, uh, association there. Okay, GWS. Will who do you think of when you think of GWS? Who do I think of when I think of the Greater Western Sydney? Um, I think I think of Toby Green. Hmm. Yeah, I was wondering about that. I my mind went to Jeremy Cameron first but toby green has probably got the more publicity yeah. right um phil davis no he's not iconic he's understated if anything i mean when they started who was the one player that you were like whoa callan ward i guess he was their first like real gun he's sure no i mean he's been an all no, australian to toby green like he's a pretty and he's a one of a kind player and he's a pretty exciting player and he's been a good player for them the entire time they've been in the competition well, if going under Josh's rules, he says he picked equal parts silk, a target forward, and a mug lair. That's Toby Green. That's that's exactly what's under Toby. Yeah, Green's but I would argue that Heath Shaw has a bit of mug lair and a bit of silk. 
Mm. No, nah, I'm going to go with Toby Green, as does, jo- as does Josh. He agrees with me. <laughs> or I agree with him. Okay, uh, the Hawks. I mean, there's so many to go pick. But it's iconic. For me, and it's just it says more about my age than anything, but I'm going to go back to that 80s era, that kind of 89, and it's got to be Dermy, right? When they're at their most dominant and imposing. Or Dipper. Or, or the Rat. I mean, it's hard. But I think Dermy, because he's the most eye-catching, you know, five five daytime premierships. He was aggressive. He was, he sort of summed up what that team was in that era. Had skill, were tough, bit of flair, peroxide boots. I think it's got to be Dermot Brereton. I, I, I agree. Like, he's just the most... When you think of Hawthorne, the iconic Hawthorne image that you mm. have. The other one would probably be Luke, Luke Hodge, maybe? Luke Hodge? Yeah. Modern, modern day, day Luke Hodge, and then maybe... I think there was a bit of a roughy thing as well, like particularly in the modern day, but that's a different sort of Hawthorne. It's not the that iconic... I mean, Lee Matthews originally, obviously, but yeah, of that era that we grew up watching, you've got to say Dermy. Yeah. Jason Dunstall? Uh, Josh has picked Jason Dunstall. Yeah, I don't know. I think Jason Dunstall suffered from being always in the shadow of Tony Lockett, whereas there was only one Dermot Brereton. Okay, what about the Demons? Jim Steins. Sums up the demons for me? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, of the, of the modern day. Robbie Flower, I saw the last bit of his career and I thought he was an absolutely amazing player. But um, if we're talking about more modern day, then it's got to be Jim Steins. Jim Steins or Gary Lyon, I guess. When yep. you think of Melbourne? I mean, it's more of an indictment on Melbourne that you can't really think of a player in the last 20 years. Meets Alan Jackovich. Shane Wowoden. <laughs> yeah, Brownlow medalist, Shane Wowoden. Uh, Josh picked Adam Uze. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, okay. The Kangaroos. Well, wow. there's only one player really, isn't there? Yeah. I, I, well, without a doubt. And uh, of course, let's say it at the same time. One, two, Winston three. Abraham. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no. Byron. Someone Pickett. else? Um, the Duck. Yeah, it's got to be Wayne Carey. Like, I mean, you know, Glenn Archer. Glenn Archer. Yeah. Glenn Archer. Yeah. Um, Schwatter. I mean, there was just a lot of iconic players, you know, out of North Melbourne. From that, from that period. Well, what we're, I think what we're learning is if your club has the experiences of mini dynasty, that's where your mind goes to. It's when, it's when your club was at its best and had a multiple superstars. Um, okay. What about, the, what about Port Adelaide? Oh, that's a toughie. Who do you think of when you think of Port Adelaide? Ah. Uh, uh, oh. Jack Watts. Jack Watts. <laughs> okay. No, that makes sense. Um, I would say, I don't know, is it Corns? Is it... Um, uh, Wang- Wanganine, probably. Yeah, Wanganine. 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 Pretty much put him into a grand You'd put Wanganine in any footy side, wouldn't you? You'd just be happy to have Gavin Wanganine involved. Yeah, I mean, he won a Brownlow at Essendon, though, so I think that maybe takes away. I think I think you're right with the Corns. Mm. I mean, it's not going to be Kane, because as we know, he's a twerp. But Chad, like, Chad feels very <laughs> Port Adelaide. The hair, the arrogance... He's a Corns, that family. If we follow the Essendon formula, it's all about family. Uh, I'm going to go with Chad, the Chad. I'm going to go with... Uh, uh, who, am I, who is the most Port Adelaide player? What about Justin Westhoff? Oh, the Hoff. That's much better. Yeah, I like that. I'm going to change my answer. I'm going to go with the Hoff as well. Uh, Josh picked uh, Gavin Wanganine. Okay, Tigers. I mean, this is an interesting choice. Maybe Josh is younger than us. I'm just going to tell you what. He went for Dusty, which I think is fair enough, but feels a bit short-sighted to me when you consider possibly the most iconic Richmond player who summed up Richmond, who was the epitome of Richmond for about 15 years through the 90s and 2000s. Ivan Marek. <laughs> yeah, Nathan Foley. <laughs> uh, Matthew Richo Richardson. Richardson. Don't you reckon? Absolutely. He was 100%. that Richmond personified. Endlessly entertaining, uh, inspiring, infuriating. And just such an emotional The extra player. degree of difficulty of going against your pre-established formula, which is we most fondly remember the eras of when they were champion teams. 
They were not champion teams, mm. and yet we so fondly you know, associate him with that club. No, Richo. Uh, the Saners. Well, you go first. Who do you think of when you think of St Kilda? Tony Lockett, obviously, first and foremost. But, you know, it's funny because Tony mm. Lockett had half his career at another club, but I still think about Tony Lockett. Um, Robert Harvey, uh, mm. clearly, uh, you know, a big one, I would say, at the Saints. Nick Rerol. Um, th- those three... Like, you know, Lockett obviously would be a standout if he played his entire career at the Saints. But the other two yeah. did, and it would be a toss of the coin. I would probably just say Robert Harvey just in front of Nick Rewalt. Yeah, in terms of iconic status, you can't really go past the guys kicked the most goals ever in the history of the game. And he did sort of sum up that, what the club was in that period, which was we were a one, one-man team. And he was kind of undisciplined and a bit overweight, all that kind of stuff. And he just relied on sheer skill and toughness and brilliance. Uh, I would agree halves would probably be in there as well, just because he was around for so long, the two Brownlows. And I actually, I did watch a bunch of um, Rob Harvey highlights from the mid, late 90s and just forgot how good a player he was. And then Nick Revolt, second longest serving captain, Spud. Might go in there as well. Ah, uh, Spud. Yeah, no, definitely Spud. Spud's definitely a, a good suggestion. And Nicky Wimmer. Yeah, there's quite a few. Um, I'm just going to go so with Ro- Spud. Spud's very iconically St. Kilda. Yeah. I'm going to go with Rob Harvey just because that's the, I still have his jumper from when I won it in a raffle when I was a 10-year-old. And I'm going to go for Spud. Okay. It's nice that's to think nice. about Spud. Uh, okay. What about the Swannies? Tony Lockett. <laughs> <laughs> well, you and Josh... I'll run exactly the same wavelength because he's put Tony Lockett for both St Kilda and Sydney. Um, um, he put Adam, them like- Adam Goods. Yep. Yep. Goodsy. I mean, it's, it's, it's Buddy as well in a weird way. Like, plug and put him on the map. Warwick Kappa. <laughs> Jared Healy? No, it's a, that's a, Warwick, Warwick Kappa is a serious suggestion this time. <laughs> Iconically Sydney in that era. Yeah, you're right. I mean, they sort of had those phases, right? Late 80s, then they went shit again. Then Plugger came, Paul Kelly, the Paul Kelly Schwatter era. And then there was the Barry Hall era. And then there was the Lance Franklin era. And it's always colourful full forwards that have pulled Sydney along. Um, I think you're right. I think the Wiz. Let's go with the Wiz, just because it, he also seems to sum up Sydney as a city as well. I mean, is he invited to their... Does he get invited to their their uh, best and fairest? No. Okay. No. <laughs> um, Michael Chamberlain is uh, negotiating with uh, the Wiz right now. Uh, they're going to do a sportsman night, a virtual sportsman night on Zoom. And so he's been uh, sharing with me the correspondence with the Wiz and it is entertaining, to say the least. <laughs> Everything you'd want it to be. Let's hope that the actual conference online is anywhere near as entertaining as the com- as the correspondence i would suggest all right west coast i mean glenn jakovich he sort of sums up that kind of 90s era for me the battles with wayne carey um and then it's hard to go past that ben cousins i mean it's as bad as things are now like he sort of summed up what that mid mid noughties team literally the mid noughties team was all about and then modern era, I'd say Nick Nat or Josh Kennedy. Woosher? Yeah, fuck Woosher. <laughs> I hated him when he was a player. <laughs> he was such a bastard. But he was very identifiably West Coast Eagles. Yeah. Um, I would say it's... I, I still would say, and it's hard to say because of obviously the terrible tragedy of his fucking life, but Ben Cousins, to me, is the most... Like, even regardless, like, take out what has happened post his football career. Mm. But he was, to me, the quintessential West Coast Eagles player. And it probably is why it's led to all the, you know, led to some of the trouble that he's had in his life, you know, without abdicating him of his own responsibility in that, is that he was the perfect player and he was treated by everybody as if he, you know, the rules did not apply to him. And I think that was because... Everybody was like, look at this. This is the greatest of everything that we aspire to be. Uh, Josh picks Josh Kennedy. And lastly, the Western Bulldogs. Well, I'll go first. Um, the first name that comes to mind when I think of the Western Bulldogs is Simon Beasley. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know why, but it's just like, that's the first name. And then there's Doug Hawkins comes to mind. 
and then Brad Johnson, and then modern day, I guess Aka. <laughs> Nikki Wimmer and Aka. No. I mean, and Alan Jakovic. Modern day would be, at the moment, it's the Bont. Like, he is your Nat Fife, the guy who's clearly far and away the best player you've got. But in terms of just iconic status, I think it has to be Doug, Doug Hawkins. He's from Braybrook. You know, he was a little scrapper. He had that media career for a while as well. I think it's going to be Doug Hawkins. I understand what you say, and uh, that is, that, that's a pretty good choice, Dougie. Uh, I am going to say, and it will surprise nobody, uh, Robert Murphy would be the person I would say. Yeah, yeah. Robert Murphy is like your indie cred yeah. <laughs> selection. <laughs> Um, all right. Thanks, Josh. That was a good one. They got plenty of content. This next uh, letter is from Owen. Uh, he says, Hey, Will and Charlie, all this talk of hard man Ben Cunnington and his surgically enhanced rug made me think of an absolute unit of the AFL who took a different path, a path where he recognized and embraced that his thinning locks were caused by pure testosterone coursing through his frame. Less hair equals more muscles. I'm talking about Scott Thompson, who initially donned frosted tips before he later embraced his Vin Diesel hard man look. Tomo goes to the same gym as me where he shows zero interest in anything resembling cardio to find himself toning biceps in front of the mirror. Tomo was a ball magnet. Hang on. This is going to sound kind of ignorant, but very on brand for two guys on cup. Scott Thompson played for Adelaide, did he? I mean, I, <laughs> I, I guess. <laughs> All right. Tomo was a ball magnet. Not to mention a magnet to all fans of the sculpted male physique. It, it sounds like Owen's in love with Scott Thompson. He escaped the grips of VFL with the lowly demons to return home to South Australia in the mid-2000s with the Adelaide Crows uh, for pick number 12 overall. At Adelaide, he linked up with Rashudo, Edwards, McLeod. Oh, Rashudo, we left him off our iconic list. He'd Absolute be up there, right? Modra. Uh, McLeod. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Godra. Modra at the, the time. Legend. Um, Rue, long-lasting. Yeah, Rue was an obvious. That's that's a obvious omission, I would say. It's an oversight. oversight. I mean, I think, I think, but I think McLeod is, you know, just for pure like two Norm Smiths, pure silk, so exciting to watch. I think, I think Rue would even say that. Yeah, I think McLeod's the one person that Rue would pick in front of him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, tragically, that star-studded Crows team underachieved in the two thousands by not enjoying the ultimate success, despite playing in eight. Of 10 years, including three prim, playing finals in eight of 10 years, including three prim, prelim losses. Prelim final losses in 2005 and 2006 are particularly memorable as they were now to the notorious West Coast Eagles. At the time, we couldn't figure out just how it was those damn Eagles ran out games so well. While he never tasted premiership glory, the man, you know what's funny is like three letters ago, someone said, Would you do a deep dive? And then two letters later, we get this. This is perfect. While he never tasted premiership glory, uh, the man built with the man with arms built like legs enjoyed a decorated career which included two best and fairest and all Australian a membership to a modestly sized leadership group and became just the fifth crow to reach 300 games. Perhaps most memorably for fans, Tomo lived for a crushing tackle and had plenty of aggro. This was never noticed more than when the crows came up against expansion clubs in the early part of last decade. On one particular occasion, Scott channeled his upbringing in the harder regions of Port Adelaide to absolutely punish a mob of teenagers at the Gold Coast Suns. He racked up 51 touches, the second highest amount of disposals in a match by an AFL, VFL, AFL player since the recording of stats, falling too short of Diesel's 53 in 1989. Surely uh, Tom Mitchell has smashed that record like half a dozen times by now. Uh, Tom Mitchell has beaten that, I think, now, or at least equaled it. In these dark times of COVID-19, a couple of diehard friends and I have reached for the archives to turn Tomo's 51 possessions into 51 sips of responsibly enjoyed beverages. However, we've been devastated to learn that we can't find a full copy of that game anywhere. Will and Charlie, surely this is a platform to be used to right this injustice. The world deserves access to this blockbuster round 22 clash between 14th and 16th in sunny Queensland in 2011. Yours faithfully, Owen, Macca and Lockie. Well, absolutely. If we can do anything to help locate that, then... Uh, and by that, what I mean is if anyone listening to this can do anything to help locate that, please do, and we'd be happy to pass it on. Okay. This is from Curtis. It's a follow-up email. Hey, guys. Thanks for answering my question on the pod. No idea what it was. First off, Will is right. Engineers love all things built and riveted. 
That being said, I'm surprised Will didn't suggest the bombers. Engineers also love airplanes. And what the fuck are we talking about? No, Although, I know what it is. He, we were trying to decide which team he should uh, support oh, based right. on his okay. uh, job. And I was saying that the Battle of the Bridge might be something oh. that he was interested in because as an engineer, he might like the construction of bridges. Okay. And you at the time, Charlie, mocked me for that. But I'm glad he's got back to us to say those important words. Will was right. Although from my limited footy knowledge, they seem to be a rival of Collingwood. So maybe that's why. Anyway. I did some research on Hawthorne and watched some games. They didn't really click with me. The more I thought about it, the more Collingwood fit in with the Yankees, the Colts, the Bruins, and the Celtics. At one point, they were the dominant force. But that is somewhat in the past, although the legacy of hatred from other teams lives on. Most years, there's at least a glimmer of hope that the teams are entertaining and you can get behind them. They have players that you love to, they have players that you love to be on your team, but you would hate on another. But in the end, they crush any hope you had of winning the title and collapse. So I will proudly be a stereotypical American and root for the big market team and Mason Cox. There's nothing like a global pandemic and shortened season to put your back against the wall. Can't wait to enjoy the 2020 AFL season whenever it starts back up. Stay safe and stay healthy, Curtis. P.S. You should all reach out to Pat McAfee, uh, Pat McAfee on Twitter, uh, to have him on the podcast to talk AFL and go on, his, go on his show to talk AFL. He's a former NFL punter and now an audio, a radio host comedian who's become a big fan of the AFL after watching some of round one. He had Mason on his show last week. I saw that clip. I didn't, did, you, did you know who Pat McAfee was before that? I, I had seen him mentioned online because of his love of AFL, but I don't know much about him uh, up until this point. But I will go and check that out. What I love about that is... Already sounds like a stereotypical pie supporter. <laughs> like it was, you know, already way, way too into Collingwood and what the whole identity of Collingwood was that they used to be superstars and everybody's intimidated by them and everyone hates them. I'm right. You get it. You actually understand <laughs> the true heart of what it is to be a Collingwood supporter. So I guess welcome to the dark side. And there's nothing more American than backs against the wall because Donald Trump's going to build that wall. <laughs> and uh, you can all put your backs against the wall in typical Collingwood style. Uh, Rose has written into us, and this is an exciting one. Hi, Will and Charlie. Regarding your discussion on episode 130 about whether any current players or coaches or umpires listen to two guys, one cup, I goal umpired in the oh, AFL for four seasons from 2014 to 2017 and was and remain a regular listener to all your podcasts. We did it. We got one. Well, did we? Because what we've identified is we have somebody who was formerly associated with the AFL who listens to the podcast. We, we don't know if there was actually a link between them listening to this podcast and them losing their job as a goal umpire. Maybe they let us slip at goal umpire well, training mate, one day that they listen in and then they're phased out of the system. Well, we would have started this show, what, in 2016? So yeah, probably in her last year of being an umpire. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what set the thing in motion. Uh, you're underestimating your appeal to those within the AFL industry. For me, AFL changing from a hobby to a high-pressure job sucked the enjoyment out of a lot of AFL media that I'd previously consumed. Your uninformed, tangential podcast is escapism and a soothing reminder that footy is not as serious as it seems from within the AFL bubble. Thanks for many years of entertainment. <laughs> that is a backhanded compliment if I've ever heard one. I got another email here, Will, from Lawson. Hey, guys. Would you, would, would, would you, not would you, I would like to hear some thoughts about how you think the AFL could be influenced played at altitude. Who would benefit from this? Kicks would have greater distance, but fitness would be a whole new factor. Could we ever get a game in South Africa's high veld? It's an interesting question. What do you think, Will? <laughs> Games at altitude. Who benefits from that? Well, surely Jeremy Howe. I mean, he gets even higher. He definitely wins Mark of the Year. I think the Bulldogs would have a good team for high altitude, I've got to be honest with you, because I think it would support your lower-to-the-ground players because the higher the altitude, like your big men are going to be no good at high altitude. And we've got quite a good sort of, you know, mosquito fleet, you know, next level down, you know, hard running all day, that sort of thing. I think they'd, they'd be pretty good in high altitude. Um I think that uh, long kicking teams, clearly, it doesn't support a short game. It's not your sort of chip around short game. It, it supports your big long kicking teams, I'd imagine. Finally, Matthew Suckling. Yeah. <laughs> Now's his time. Yeah. <laughs> Catherine Bates, I assume she sometimes shortens that to Kathy, yep. right? Kathy Bates writes into Beautiful. us. 
It's been a long time coming. If you listen to our other podcast, you're, you're, you're my favourite podcast. Hey guys. I'd like to invite you around to my house, chain, chain you to my bed and make you do podcasts for me. <laughs> hey guys, despite my deeply held feelings of meh about the AFL, I've been surprised by how much I've missed having it in the background to the cooler months. Especially, I've been missing Two Guys, One Cup, which sits perfectly at my level of interest. Do I care about the result? Not so much. Except insofar as I can hold up my end of a conversation over a beer. Is the peripheral stuff far more interesting? For sure. Anyway, I had an idea that might give you more content, which may be too late or too hard, but for what it's worth, here it goes. Each week, the two of you discuss the games that were scheduled for that week as if they'd been played, adding bits as you choose. Hawks and Cats. Well, based on last year's four, maybe the Hawks would win, but maybe it rained last weekend, so that would advantage the Cats. You decide that in the course of the game, Isaac Smith probably got injured and will be out for two weeks. This will affect how the Hawks will go in the next two matches in your fantasy results. In the end, you decide who won and by how much, creating a special two guys, one cup ladder that will also feed into the weekly results you create. Amazingly, St Kilda could possibly end up second on the ladder by round six, so they'll probably do well uh, whoever is 12th by then. So week by week, we get the two guys, one cup results, at least in an imaginary footy fix. Thanks for keeping the content coming. I hope you're both staying well. Cheers. Catherine. Will, which makes me think that maybe our me- e- email account has been hacked by Scott Dooley and Limo <laughs> because that is the premise of their podcast. Yeah, they have an excellent new podcast, which I have not listened to because I've been ignoring football, but I do plan to listen to because I love Dooley and I love Limo. Uh, where they are doing pretty much that exact same concept, aren't they? It's that exact same concept. So I think Kathy either Kathy either gave away a golden idea, or Limo and Scott Dooley have hacked our account. One of those. Two well, it might be the idea that like if we'd got to our mailbag earlier, that could have been our brilliant idea. I noticed they've been getting a lot of media attention for their podcast. That could have been <laughs> us. Angus Brayshaw's side project is the next email. This is from Julian. Hey, Charlie and Will. If you haven't yet checked out Angus Brayshaw's side project during the coronavirus shutdown of footy, I highly recommend it. He started an Instagram account called Barbie Onions, where he goes through the finer points of how to cook onions for a barbecue. Think cutting techniques, cooking tips, how to grow your onions, etc. Being a Demons fan, I'm used to Demons players making me cry on a regular basis. At least now, it's just from onion juice getting in my eyes. What cooking shows would you like to see from other AFL players? Cheers from Amsterdam. In the Netherlands. Yeah, we get, we know where Amsterdam is. I've been to Amsterdam. Well, well, firstly, I've got to check this out. This is the exact sort of content we were talking about, doing a deep dive on a player. I've, like, this is exactly what I want to hear about. You know, I am much more interested in Angus Brayshaw immediately because I now know that he's interested in barbecuing onions. And what, what, a, what a series because... Is he cooking different onions on different day? Is like one day, is it a brown onion? Is there a white onion in there? Is there like a, a red onion that he's chucking on the barbecue? How is he preparing them for the barbecue? Is he cooking them whole? Is he slicing them up? I mean, there's just... I'm looking I it mean, up. there's a myriad of questions that arise immediately out of this. Is he pickling onions that could then be served on some sort of charcuterie cheese platter by Melbourne fans at the games. That's what Angus Brayshaw should be doing, pickling tiny onions and then selling them as Angus Brayshaw pickled onions to whack on your cheese platter while you're watching the Ds. Okay, all right. So he's got almost 3,500 followers, Barbie Onions. Um, He's posted quite a bit from the looks of things. So the bio is pretty funny. The ultimate Barbie Onion experience, chairman, president, CEO, onion expert and host, Angus Brayshaw. Uh, producer Danielle Frawley. Okay, so let's take a look at just one of these random posts. So he's got a photo of uh, him just stir-frying some onions. And the caption is, Going old school on some Barbie onions with a wooden spoon. No frills, just pure onions. It's exciting content so far. Uh, let's take another one. Uh, this is him with some chopped onions in a pan. Caption is, Nothing like the smell of garlic butter and onions in the morning. That's it. <laughs> okay. A photo of an onion. The caption is, We have loved the support of our Barbie onions so far. When we reach 2,000 followers, we will give away this signed onion. To be in the running, tag a friend in this post. Make sure your friend are following Barbie onions. We'll be randomly selecting the winner once we receive 2,000 followers. You know what? Angus Brayshaw's bloody social media game is 100 times better than the two guys, one cup social media game. We're making fun of his Onion account, but he knows what he's doing. He's got a lot more followers on his Onion account than we have on the Tofop Instagram. Tell me this. 
Does Angus Brayshaw have a girlfriend, a partner, I a assume... wife? Does he live alone? Does he live with one of his brothers? Does he live with a teammate? What's Angus Brayshaw's living well, situation? Well, he says that Danielle Frawley is the producer of Barbie Onions. I assume that there may be partners. They're together. That would make sense. And I assume Danielle Frawley is maybe James Frawley's sister. You'd think? Maybe? Well, related to a Frawley in some regard. Okay. It's a photo of him shirtless standing above a pot of onions, like a plant pot. And the caption is, What a magnificent day. Up early out here getting some much-needed sun with a few mates of mine. Don't worry. The government tells me that because onions aren't considered actual human beings, we don't need to social distance. What amazing news. I think onions aren't the only thing that uh, Angus Brasher was growing in his backyard. I think he might have discovered a mushroom patch. <laughs> okay, so firstly... I'm loving this, but all I'm thinking about is how much is he farting? <laughs> because if you're eating that amount of onions per day, like is, that's why I asked about his living situation. Like, is he taking advantage of social isolation just to like fart? What are you doing with your day? I cook onions for half an hour and then I fart for 20 hours. Excited to announce a new collaboration with Coca-Cola. Goes great with Barbie onions coming to a store near you. And then he's, he's done a Photoshop of onion flavored Coca-Cola. <laughs> There's some kind of meta comedy going on here that we don't get. This is a character, right? No, I get it. I love it. But what I love about it is if it was anyone other than a football player doing it on his Instagram, this would clearly be the sign that you should call your friend and see if they were okay. Like it is, it is like somebody having like a complete and utter breakdown in public. He's talking to the onions and he went to the park with the onions and now he's made a Coca-Cola bottle with an onion on it and he's sleeping in bed with an onion on its face. It's essentially, it's like Tom Hanks in Castaway, except instead of a volleyball, he's got an onion with a face on it. I mean, it is loaded with memes. He's got like a Tiger King meme. He's got the Joe Exotic with the necklace of onions. He's got Thanos holding up a gauntlet, but instead of gems, it's filled with onions. He's got Michael Jordan in The Last Dance looking at an iPad, and then on the reverse angle, it's an iPad. There's a photo of onions. <laughs> I mean, I know a lot of the players are encouraged when they went home to, like, if they came from a farm, help mum and dad on the farm, take care of I their mean, family. Shouldn't he have Michael Jordan doing his very famous, <laughs> you know, statue? Nike air stance with yeah. the with an onion where the basketball normally is. I, I, I don't want to give Angus Brayshaw tips for his onion Instagram account, but that's what I would do. What are some other memes that you would oh, like would to see? Be? I mean, you've got to. I mean, yeah. Donald Trump's an obvious one, right? Like something to do with the upcoming American elections. Donald Trump, like on a podium, but instead of a podium, it's a giant onion <laughs> or something. Like make onions great again. Or is it just like is it an onion with Donald and on an onion with Donald Trump's hair saying make barbecues great again? That's that's your Donald Trump. <laughs> Could you have Stuart Lowe holding sixteen onions in his hands? Mate, he could hold twenty four at least. Fuck it. Uh, what else is um, Billie Eilish? You got to have some kind of she's like hot right now. There's some Billie Eilish meme where she's like. I don't know, instead of like that green in her hair, she's just got onions. Oh, you know that guy who looks like Mr. T, that new big new oh, black yeah. man that people send around in memes and he's got like a giant penis? Yes, Do you know yes, the one I'm will. talking about? <laughs> yeah, so it's that, but where his penis should be, it's just onions. There you go, Angus. Got a bunch of memes you can use. Uh, our next letter is from Madeline. Hi, Will and Charlie. Thanks for providing some much-needed laughter in these dark times. The people in my house were very confused to hear raucous laughter coming from my room as I listened to the Michael Voss, I fucked my own mother riff. <laughs> Although I don't read the Herald Sun out of principle, <laughs> I saw these photos on Stephen Baker's Instagram, a countdown of St Kilda's top 20 AFL-era players. I am very interested to hear your opinion, Charlie, particularly of the inclusion of Sean Dempster at number 20. Couldn't have thought he'd be... In many other people's lists. What about Jerry Geary, Cozzy, Jason Blake, even Justin Peckett? Thanks again for the great content. Um, right, I didn't see. All right, let's take a quick look at these. Uh, this is the best Saints players of the AFL era. So at 20, they've got Sean Dempster. That's an interesting choice. I mean, he was an All-Australian, pretty good defender. I think it says more about the standard of players we've had over the last 30 years than Sean Dempster. Uh, Ozzy Jones at number 19. I think that's a good inclusion. Max Hudgeton at 18. Yep, I think that's all right. Stephen Baker at 17, and on Stephen Baker's Instagram, he's actually circled that on the Herald Sun and posted it. <laughs> uh, Sam Fisher, yep, I'm okay with that. 
Let's go to the top 10. Fraser Gehrig, Stephen Milne, Nick Del Santo, and then he's uh, Nathan Burke, blah, 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 Lenny Hayes, Robert Harvey at number three, and then Plugger at number one, which is kind of how we ranked them when we were going for our most iconic Saints players, right? Yeah, Lenny Hayes was a tough exclusion by us because he's very iconically St Kilda as well. But I guess in that way that Lenny played in the background, we kind of forgot him in the background as well. Yeah. Okay, this is a question from Al. It says, hi, boys. Hope you and your families are doing well. I've been listening to Two Guys, One Cup for a few seasons, but this is my first correspondence with you. I wanted to talk about fan interaction at the grounds. But let me give you some background. I'm from England. Ooh, I'm from England. Oh, good. Uh, <laughs> English accent. Here we go. I'm from England, and I mainly follow football slash soccer. No matter what league or what teams are playing, there's a very strict home supporter and away supporter ser- segregation. It don't even need to be local rivals. I've seen some crowd scenes turn ugly with objects being thrown around and confrontations in the streets and car parks before and after the games. <laughs> I thought I was happening to my accent. I was lucky enough to travel around your beautiful country in 2000 and 2001 and I went to my first AFL game at the MCG. Cool, blimey. <laughs> I went with a couple of backpacking friends and couldn't believe my eyes. <laughs> Walking up to the ground, the amount of rival supporters walking together. We sat some seats. Uh, we sat in some seats suitable for us, and we took a look around and saw some fans together merged with no segregation. I thought it would be fine as long as there was nothing to incite the crowds. And then that moment came. The game was Richmond versus the Bulldogs, which saw Tony Libertore, Matthew Knights, and twelve other players brawl. My friends and I turned to each other and thought that shit was going to kick on. In the stands too. Much the opposite. I've never seen so much laughing and joking between sets of supporters. My friends and I were so relieved to see the incident could be taken in such good humour. Great to see such sport, uh, to see sport supported with such good spirits. That certainly wouldn't have happened back in England. Uh, <laughs> but is this always the case? Is there segregation at any of the grounds or between any of the sets of supporters? Anyway, Will... You'll be happy to know that because of that win, Tony Liberatore's actions, I am forever a Bulldog supporter. Well, firstly, welcome aboard, a British Bulldog. Um, here's what I would say. It's my favourite thing about the sport of AFL is that the fans aren't segregated. And it's the thing that I think that we need to, if they're putting together principles of the AFL, that you, you know, they have those rules of things that should never change, what the game is about at its very heart. One of them is that the fans should never be segregated. And any time... When, when the actions of the fans get to the point where it means that they might have to segregate the fans, then I think those are the people who should be removed from the crowds. You've lost your right to support the game if fans can't. It's so great on grand final day. Still one of my favourite things about grand final day is seeing supporters of each club walk to the you know, the ground in packs together or you know couples holding hands and you imagine what it's like being in their house. And that's just, it's part of the fun of AFL. Yeah, and you also, I think, it's not like that you want to sanitise it or have everyone singing Kumbaya. One of the things I like about the AFL is the banter. Like, it's good to sort of sit amongst opposition players and have some good-hearted banter. I mean, like, I think that sort of makes it more exciting, especially when, like, I I have a big mouth. (laughs) You've gone to the football with me and I can't resist yelling stuff out. But it's always understood that it's in good humour. Like, I agree with you. I would hate for the AFL to segregate. Although... I mean, if we're going to segregate anyone, let's start with Collingwood supporters, right? Um, Here's what I would say about the idea of the banter in the crowd is we've got to remember, we've got to get back to the idea that this is just a game. These times more than anything have revealed to us that it is just a game. And the great thing about it is it's a game, a game that we invented so that we can enjoy it, be entertained by it, feel passionate about. I was talking to Nerily Meadows and um, we were talking on philosophy and we were talking about the, the last dance, the Michael Jordan documentary that's currently on Netflix. And the thing that I was saying was it reminded me why I think Michael Jordan is the greatest basketballer of all time because he managed to combine the two things that we want the most from our sports people, which is that he wanted to win at all costs and we love that in the players, but also he wanted to play the game at the highest level that you could play the game. And so often we concentrate on the first bit, the winning bit, and it takes away from the game being played at its highest level. Michael Jordan, you're watching his highlights reel, and it's like he's doing the slam dunk competition at the All-Stars weekend, but he's doing that 
in the game. And that's what we want to see from our greatest players is ruthless desire to win, but combined with playing the game at its greatest elevation. And as fans, that's what it should be about as well. We should support our teams to their utmost, but it should be about elevating the entire game, which means it's got to be in good spirits. The banter's got to be part of, you know, the fun of we're watching a game and this banter is part of a game we are playing at each, with each other. But at the end of it, we can all shake hands and go, that was a fun game, wasn't it? And wasn't it fun how we got to yell out at each other? It's from Lucy. Hi, Will Anderson and friend. You'll get this reference once you listen to the podcast I mentioned. Sorry, Charlie. I was just listening to the latest episode where you both decided that there are no AFL players that listen to your podcast. I can confirm that there is at least one player that is currently on an AFL list that has listened to an episode or two. Will Schofield from the Eagles hosts his own podcast, Eagles Back Chat, and in one of the episodes he mentions two guys, one cup. Not only that, but the guest he had on that day was none other than the Frenchman Marc Lacroix. Now you may ask who is Will Schofield? but I can assure you that he is actually somewhat of a cult figure amongst the Eagles fans, so I think this definitely gives the pod some AFL cred. Listen to episode 65 of the Eagles Backchat podcast. The title of episode 12, Lekker Comes Out of Retirement, from about 31 minutes 55 onwards to hear for yourself. Love the pod. I've actually heard that. Someone did send us that link before. I'm not convinced that Will Schofield had actually listened to the show. I think someone contacted them to say, hey, have you heard of Two Guys, One Cup? This guy does a Mark Lacroix impression because they asked Mark Lacroix in that clip, have you heard it? And he seemed very reluctant to even go there. He didn't want to hear it, didn't want to know anything about it. Well, that's really weird because I actually invited Mark Lacroix here on the podcast today to actually answer that question, whether he had heard this podcast and the guy who does the impression of him on this podcast. So it's so good to have you here, Mark Lacroix. Ah, uh, wait one second. I just have to uh, uh, get my uh, uh, my accordion player set up. <laughs> it must be much harder these days to travel with your accordion player because of social distancing, Mark. Ah, oh, you have no idea. Well, it is an absolute nightmare. <laughs> but I am here now, and it is so good to be back on my favorite AFL show, Two Guys, One Cup. You know, the times are very tough. And in times like this, we can turn to our fromage, we can turn to our wine, we can turn to our women. But as the little Frenchman, you know what I turn to, Will? What? My premiership medallion. I wear it shirtless like a net wife. I like to swan around my chateau and say to the women, you know who kicked uh, 10 goals in a game? I was at 10 or 11, I can't remember. But it was a game where I kicked a lot of goals. That was me, the little Frenchman, Marc Lacroix. Now, Marc, I got you on actually just to clear up something, which was you were on Will Schofield's... Sorry, this music's getting a bit loud. <laughs> you were on Will Schofield's podcast, and uh, you uh, were asked about uh, an impression of you that was done on this podcast... Yes. And you were reluctant to answer whether you had heard that impression and whether you listened to this podcast. But you said before, this is your favorite podcast. So which of those things is it? Do you listen to this podcast or have you never heard this podcast? Well, I obviously have heard this podcast uh, because I call into it uh, every now and then. Listen, I normally fast forward to the bits where you talk about the little Frenchman. I don't listen to your bullshit letters section or where you talk about the Bulldogs or St. Gilda. I mean, fuck your teams. Who cares? They're losers. Not like the mighty West Coast Eagles. Uh, yes, I have heard the show. But uh, that man who is on the Eagles back chat, he is the imposter, not I. <laughs> Now, Will, I'm going to have to hang up now because I am noticing there is uh, running out of power in this computer that I'm talking on. And for some reason, I can't seem to get more power into the computer. So I will bid you a fond adieu. Au revoir. Take care. It's a little Frenchman says, eat cheese. Adieu. Au revoir. <laughs> wow. Mark Lacroix. It's so great that he came in to... Completely wow. unexpected, I've got to say. I uh, would have been known to have a bit of a heads up. Um, yeah, I have to uh, go because for some reason my laptop's almost on zero power and I've plugged it in it's not working. And we've done enough. We've done enough, I think, Will. We've, <laughs> we've supported the AFL industry and given the given the fans what they want. Oh, no, it's okay. Our, our um, line has been 
ratchet. Yes, our line has been in and out a bit as well today, so this is going to be a bit of a night nightmare for podcast Mike to edit together. So we should finish up. Um, we've got a couple of other podcasts you can listen to. Tofop, which is a bit like this, but uh, no footy chat at all. We have new episodes coming out every Wednesday, uh, and you have an episode of Philosophy with Nerily Meadows. It's just hit the airwaves. Yeah, it's really great. She talks about losing a job. She talks about what she's doing without sport as a sports journalist and. Uh, She's got a great new podcast called Ordinarily Speaking, which if you're a sports fan, I highly recommend. It's, it's, it's absolutely excellent. Um, we'll be back periodically. Uh, we, if you want to send us uh, an email, you can at twoguysonecupafl at gmail.com. That's the number two and the number one, twoguysonecupafl at gmail.com. Um, we've got a few more letters to get through, but why don't we fill up the mailbag? And uh, as soon as that's bulging, Bulging like the biceps of Scott Thompson, we'll come back and do another episode. 